0: Welcome to Visual Novels Radio. My name's Ive and here at VNR I read and review visual novels independent of age and fame. There are many stories out there waiting to be experienced, but finding them is no easy task. I've read a lot of visual novels and have seen my fair share of trash, but I've also stumbled upon hidden gems which have left me with unforgettable memories that will be with me for the rest of my life. On this podcast I want to share some of those experiences with you and hope that you find these stories just as enjoyable as I did. In this episode I will talk about Chrono Clock, a romance mobile developed by Purple Software and released in 2015 in Japanese, as well as two years later in English. I did not expect very much from this game, but it managed to surprise me. The story had an interesting take on time travel, and the characters had more depth than I initially expected. So how did I find this game? I believe I saw it for the first time in a reddit thread. The visual novel subreddit is one of my go-to places to find VNs, and this one just so happened to be mentioned for its upcoming English release. Of course, by the time I checked this thread, the game was long out and I drifted over to its Steam page before coming to my senses and checking VNDB if there were other, preferably uncensored releases. Yes, thankfully the game was released on Nutaku and Soft as well, featuring not only censorship-free content, but also the absence of DRM. Perfect. What do you get when you mix Romance, Moege, and Time Travel? I believe it is safe to say that this question has not been asked before or at least not enough to provide a common answer. Purple Software is a visual novel developer that is brave enough to explore this concept and, on top of that, make it work very well. Instead of just having time travel as a feature, ChronoClock uses it as a core concept and thereby manages to tell a story with branching timelines unlike any other. On top of that, it includes well-written characters, cute girls and beautiful music. Ray Savatari, a young boy in his high school years, has inherited a pocket watch from his late grandfather. He carries it around for good luck, but soon finds out about its hidden power, that being the power to turn back time by five minutes by destroying it. After the jump back, the watch starts repairing itself, but that takes about one hour to complete. This makes it impossible to actually travel back to the past far enough to change major events. The pocket watch is inhabited by the self-proclaimed ruler of time Cronos, or Crow for short. Crow appears in the form of a beautiful young female dressed in a revealing purple kimono. She is invisible to everyone but the keeper of the watch and cannot interact with the world directly. However, she can float anywhere she wants and observe things happening around her. With this, Ray possesses a power that is more mildly convenient rather than universe-shattering. For this reason, he mostly uses it for benign things like winning the supermarket lottery or confessing to girls and seeing the outcome without actually risking rejection. Being the only male heir to the Savatari fortune, Rei lives in a rather spacious residence together with many maids and his lovely but blind younger sister, Michiru. Michiru lost her eyesight as a result of a childhood illness and was depressed about it for a long time. During those painful years, Rei was always by her side, which caused them to forge a very special bond. The girl is extremely fond of him since their childhood and is very open and forthcoming about her brother-complex. Ray loves his sister too, of course, but in a more brotherly way, and elegantly dodges her advances. The pair makes an excellent romance-comedy duo within the first few minutes of the story, which is part of the reason why I fell in love with this visual novel so soon. The character writing is pure bliss. Sure, there are the stereotypes, like the Brocon sister, the tsundere girl, the shy girl, the sporty easy-going girl and the happy go lucky maid girl, but they are integrated into the story so gracefully that the lines just flow. Characters bounce off each other and thereby create an experience that enriches the otherwise somewhat generic rom-com story. Some characters become friends, while others are natural-born rivals, but in the end, it is all in good fun and the girls never seem too obsessed with Ray, which lightens the plot and makes the romance so much more rewarding once it finally happens. The game features 6 routes in total with 2 bonus age scenes at the end of each route, making 12 scenes in total. These scenes are only viewable after the respective routes have been completed and are entirely optional. They do not enhance the story by anything other than sweet lovemaking and an additional layer of romance. That being the case, They certainly highlight the girls' personalities more, as they are accompanied by incredibly sweet pillow talk that is just heartwarming to read. Not one of the scenes seems forced or out of place, and each of them integrate themselves into the story nicely, if you let them. The routes are divided by the girls, as it is common in visual novels. At the beginning only four routes are available to play, but the restriction makes sense taking the time travel aspect into account at this point. The choices for the routes are few and self-explanatory, so a guide is not required at all to enjoy the experience to its fullest. Once the four initial routes have been completed, a new menu option becomes available to play Crow's route. After that, the first choice in the game gets an additional option to read Miu's route. All of these changes are also indicated with an extra screen as they get unlocked, therefore making sure the player does not miss them. With this straightforward setup, it is no big surprise that the game does not feature bad endings and behaves like a well-developed interactive book. No brain-wracking over decisions, save-slot management, flow charts, etc. is required. If I rated visual novels by arbitrary points, the game mechanics would easily get the highest mark. Well done. The music is beautiful. I find myself listening to the soundtrack months after finishing the game, and it never fails to bring back the sweet memories of this wonderful story. Each character theme captures their personality perfectly, and helps the reader relate to them easier during the story. Michiru's theme is a soft Eastern-Japanese-style melody that immediately makes you think of a bamboo forest in the sunset. It flows elegantly and carries an aura of sweetness to it that is so fitting to her character. Makoto's theme is a lively tune resembling the regular It's a School Day music heard in other visual novels, but it highlights her spirit and assertiveness. Didi's theme is a waltz-like orchestra piece with lots of strings that is clearly intended to point out her British background. Misaki's theme also follows the royalish principle, but falls slightly short, which ironically fits her personality as not being honest with herself very well. The scene and environment music provides an adequate atmosphere to each part of the story and never feels annoying or out of place. Even during action-heavy scenes, the music does not rush you to read faster, but rather highlights the sense of danger and awareness for the scene. The voice acting is pretty good, but nothing praiseworthy. Each character is nicely voiced and sufficiently different as to not cause confusion if the reader is actively listening to the Japanese voices while reading. Character voices are always personal preference and the game allows the player to turn them on and off individually, but for the most part I enjoyed listening to them. A voice that particularly stood out to me was Dee Dee's. Dorothy Davenport is a half-British Japanese girl that is bilingual and frequently mixes English words into her Japanese. It adds a bit to her character, but does not sound very convincing and seems somewhat forced. The translation, however, stays very true to the voice lines as the English text replaces her English-spoken words with the Japanese counterparts. This is quite a creative way to bridge the gap between the translation and the original But if readers are not currently studying Japanese, they will have a hard time understanding some phrases she says without having to consult the Japanese-English dictionary. Rei Savatari, the main protagonist and sole male heir to the Savatari name and fortune, is looking for a girlfriend. Now that I have boiled the story down to its core essentials, let's expand on them for a bit. Being a typical teenager and having regular trouble with how to approach girls, nothing about the protagonist is in any way, shape or form special. He's average in school, average looking, average in terms of social skills. This puts him right in the ballpark of the self insult protagonist. Rei's best friend Shuji is much more popular with girls and even gets confessed to at the beginning of the story, which leads to the initial plot development between Rei and his would be crush Miyu. Shuji teasingly calls Rei Sansui, which is a joke that only makes sense in Japanese as it is an alternative way of writing the kanji making up Rei's first name, meaning water route or shipping channel. The English version tries to explain the ordeal, but unfortunately that makes the whole thing fall flat on its face. The story starts out with Rei observing Miyu falling from the school roof and dying. Without much thought, he crashes his pocket watch on the ground, which causes him to go back in time by 5 minutes and he attempts to prevent the incident. Rei rushes to the school roof and sees Shuji with Miyu, initially believing that he pushed her off the roof, but after arriving he notices that he basically crashed her confession. Miu, being already incredibly socially awkward, becomes confused with the new situation and runs towards the roof's edge without thinking. Rei manages to catch her before she falls again, but that clarifies the situation of five minutes ago much more to him. Not having the heart to continue, she is about to give up and apologizes to Shuji for the waste of time and asks if she may talk to him again in a week. Shuji accepts, and Rei offers Miu to help her with her new attempt at confessing. After this, the actual prologue starts and the reader gets more insight on the characters and how Rei starts out interacting with them. Some of his interactions with other girls, like Miyu and Makoto, are directly related to the effects of the pocket watch, while others are indirectly or previously defined, while others, like Misaki, are indirectly related or previously defined, like is the case for Michiru and Crow. The whole prologue centers around no character in particular but eventually splits up into two branches, of which each splits up again, thereby forming the four initial playable routes. Each route focuses on one of Rey's love interests and progresses through a standard romance plotted first, before reaching a happy conclusion after drifting from mental issues. The romance boils down to individual problem solving and overcoming of problems, some of which feel relatable and real, like Didi, while others are more grounded in mystery and supernatural elements, like Makoto. Nevertheless, the character progression feels well paced and the individual stories do not waste time with pointless fillers like romantic misunderstandings or cat and mouse games. Of the four initial routes, I would rank Didi's and Michiru's routes higher than Makoto and Misaki, as their motivations seemed more real and relatable to me. The playthrough order of those does not matter, but the reader is required to complete all four routes to be able to reach the repeat route, which centers around Crow. After that, Miu's route becomes available, which is by far the shortest of them all and acts as a true ending. Unfortunately, due to its length and quality relative to the other routes, especially Crow's route, which was directly preceding it, it fails to live up to the standard and comes off as very weak. At the end of each route, the highlight happens and the credits roll, but true to a staple of visual novel tradition, there is always an after-credits scene to round out the ending with a proverbial cherry on top. Judging graphics is always something that is just as hard as judging music. Unless you stick to the objective facts, all you can convey is whether it matches your personal taste or not. A better approach to trying to grasp the value of them would, in my opinion, be to determine if the style matches the subject matter and the overall story. A lofty slice-of-life story with some minor drama will clearly benefit from a similar art style. ChronoClock does nothing special with neither the backgrounds or the character sprites but the present art also rarely really highlights the experience. It is packed with eye candy for the reader, as all the girl sprites are a delight to look at, but this is already expected from my visual slash moe The backgrounds are colorful and match each other well in terms of location, scenery and continuity. They never seem to draw too much attention to themselves, while contrasting the character sprites sufficiently. The game is graphically very appealing in general and I could not spot any noticeable weak points in the visual department. Of course, No Story is perfect, and Chrono Clock is no exception. The game has a few points that can be negatively highlighted, but most are really just benign things and nitpicks. Speaking about the mechanics, while they are very well made, there are oversights. At the end of Crow's Route, when the second option for the first choice is unlocked, it is not possible to just load the game to this point and pick the option. The player must actively choose New Game and skip to the next choice. It is furthermore quite a shame really that the game does not allow you to switch the language. While that generally is not standard, for a game that came out in 2015, it was certainly not a matter of limited technology, and the developers surely had both languages at their disposal at the time of the English release. Whenever I finish a visual novel and have tears in my eyes while watching the menu screen, I know it was an experience well worth my time. This was no exception with Chrono Clock, and I am happy that I was able to read this story. While not all roots invoked that much emotion from me, particularly Crowe's root was the one that stood out for me and left me with a warm feeling inside after finishing it. It used all romance elements in the book, starting from naivety and continuing over bonding, to eventually ending goodbye and return. Even though her whole character can be described as the girl you have to teach everything, In the end, it is one of those things that we innermost want and dream about at night, when society's eyes are sleeping instead of busying themselves by judging us. Through the hardships we reach a happy ending, and that alone is what we hope to achieve in the first place. The greatest gift we can give is the gift of time, With this, I am very happy that you are still listening and hope you enjoyed the podcast. I aim to release a new episode each month and would be happy to have you tune in again. Please subscribe to VNR to be notified when a new episode launches. With that I say goodbye until next time.